Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Spiritual Warfare. Spiritual Warfare, brothers and sisters. The most important battle we will fight is not physical or mental. It is the spiritual war we undergo as devoted followers of Christ, brothers and sisters. Spiritual warfare exists in the unseen, the supernatural dimension, brothers and sisters. And the Bible equips us with the spiritual weaponry needed to be victorious. Now, I want you to take a look, brothers and sisters, at society. There is a high level of demonic possession in today's society. Why? Because people have no knowledge of how to battle against demonic strongholds and activity brothers and sisters. So we're going to utilize the Bible to see how, what tools we need in order to fight off spiritual demons, brothers and sisters, because there must, there must be an entry point. A demon have to find a way in, in order to overcome you. Usually you just see, uh, you know, Emily Rose or those movies, the exorcist where their head is spinning and all that, which is, that's theatrics, but it doesn't show you how they got into that level. That's, that's the, that's the end. But there must be a doorway in, brothers and sisters, that Satan is looking for. So we're going to see, how do we defend ourselves against entry from demonic possession? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? So first, you must know that this is your vessel, brothers and sisters. Your body is your temple. That you must protect at all times, at all costs. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The, and the Spirit what? And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Examine that, brothers and sisters. The Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands anymore, brothers and sisters. This is our temple. This is all he gave us. You only get one of these, brothers and sisters. Only one. And how you treat this will determine your path spiritually. Verse 17. If any man defileth the temple of God. Read that again. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. If you defile, what does that mean? If a poison has gained entry, something contrary to what the Most High intended for that temple has gained entry. See? So there must be an entry point for, de for demonic possession, brothers and sisters. There must be an entry point. Read that from the top, brother, please. Verse 16. Verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The Spirit of God dwelleth in us. So before our spirits were placed into the womb, brothers and sisters, our spirit was created by the Most High Himself. Now this vessel He has given us, on earth is to what? Is to house that spirit, to protect that spirit. Brothers and sisters, read 17, brother. Verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Examine that, brothers and sisters. We must be careful. We must be on guard against anything that would give entry to the devil, brothers and sisters. So that's vaccinations, that's drug abuse, brothers and sisters, that's certain musics and certain actions, brothers and sisters. And, and because of the mass awakening, 
they would provide choices for us to defile our temple. They would legalize drugs, brothers and sisters. They would make moving pictures of pornographic images, brothers and sisters. They would have music about murder and fornication. <laughs> so they would provide all of these different choices, these avenues for you to defile God's temple. And that's the first way. If you give entry to the devil, brothers and sisters, it's a good chance that you can be overtaken. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. We're staying in the New Testament here. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Read that again, brother. Verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So examine this. Know ye not that your body, our vessel, is the temple of the Most High. The spirit of the Most High cannot dwell in a defiled or unclean temple, brothers and sisters. So why do we go here? We're in the time where we're going to need to have full control spiritually over our vessels, brothers and sisters. We must gain full power over our vessels in the last days, brothers and sisters. And that means what goes in and out and also our actions, brothers and sisters. I'm not going to put unclean foods into me. You're not going to bring a needle in here and just shoot my child up with mercury poison. You're not going to do that. See, we must protect our vessel. Because vaccines and these medications, brothers and sisters, when you look at the side effects on these medications, if, if, if you're going to commit, if you have suicidal thoughts, <laughs> you know, if you have restless leg syndrome, these are demons, brothers and sisters. It's opening you up for demonic possession, brothers and sisters. Don't just bring a needle in here. Let me see the packaging of that needle. Matter of fact, sir, you know, my eyes, I, I left my glasses today. Can you actually read off the side effects for me, sir? Because I just want to be educated on, you know, what could transpire. <laughs> He'll be there all day, brothers and sisters. Because you know, when they give you medication, they usually give you that printout with all of the side effects. That you really don't look at it. You just take it home and throw it away, probably. But if you are going to give yourself or a child a vaccine, <laughs> I need you to, you know, sir, give me the guidelines of the side effects. <laughs> See? So, we must protect our body, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God. See, so no, I'm not going to put unclean foods. I'm not going to put swine. I'm not going to put lobster. I'm not going to put a vaccine with a plethora of different ingredients that I have no clue of. See, and I want to, you know, I want to make a point about this vaccination thing, brothers and sisters. You're opening yourself up for demonic possession. You need to at least know what the ingredients are. Can you find that out? I asked a brother the other day. I'm, I'm like, brother, do you believe in vaccinations? He's like, yeah, I got all my vaccines. I'm like, what's in the vaccine, brother? He's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, so you think it's smart to shoot yourself up with some a needle and you have no clue what's in it? That's not, come on now. 
That's not smart. At least find out what's in it. I asked the doctor. I said, sir, how much uh, thimerosal, I mean, how much mercury <laughs> is good to be introduced into a child's uh, bloodstream, sir? He already knew where I was going. <laughs> because they'll tell you, well, it's just in small increments where it's not detrimental. I don't want to hear that mess, sir. What, <laughs> what dose <laughs> is good, sir, of having, you know, pig's blood? Because that's what they got. Some of these got pig's blood, cow pus. All types of stuff, brothers and sisters, in these vaccines. You open yourself up for demonic possession, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ephesians now, 6 and 10, because the context of this particular lesson is spiritual warfare. 101, brothers and sisters, this is the basics. This is the basics that we will all need in these last days. We're going to go to Ephesians in the New Testament. Please follow us. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Do what? Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be to stand against the wiles of the devil. That ye may be able to stand against the schemes, the plots of the devil, brothers and sisters. So the nature of this warfare is spiritual, brothers and sisters. The nature of this warfare is spiritual. How do we know? Read the next scripture. Actually, read 11 again, brother. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. For what? For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world. See, so brothers and sisters, we're talking about spiritual warfare. It tells you to put on the whole armor. Verse 11. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor. No one in the army would be sent out into war without proper armor, brothers and sisters. So the Bible gives us the knowledge of the armor needed in order to protect us from the strategies and the tactics of the devil. Brothers and sisters, there's a daily war being fought on a spiritual level. Brothers and sisters, see where it says wiles of the devil? That's the schemes, the tactics, the strategies, the plots of the evil one, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, so all believers are called on to use the tools given to us by the Most High for surviving the attacks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, brothers and sisters, this is a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war, brothers and sisters. So you must know your enemy. We're not fighting against the white man. The white man is not the issue. <laughs> the issue is the spirit that's controlling <laughs> the white man's government and other people also, brothers and sisters. So we have, we have to identify who we're fighting against, where it says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have to show you, where did these demons, where did these wicked spirits come from, brothers and sisters? We're going to the book of Enoch, 
verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 15, brothers and sisters, verse one, because why Enoch was who he was the priest. He was Noah's grandfather, brothers and sisters. One of, one of the men in the Bible that, that was that didn't die, that was translated into the heavenly realm, brothers and sisters, Enoch has a testimony, brothers and sisters. And in order for you to understand spiritual wickedness or where demon possession comes from, you must understand Enoch, brothers and sisters. We're going to read chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Enoch 15, verse 1. Then addressing me, he spoke and said, Hear, neither be afraid, O righteous Enoch. O who? O righteous Enoch. O who? O righteous Enoch. Thou scribe of righteousness, approach hither, and hear my voice go. Say to the watchers. Say to who? Say to the watchers of heaven. The, the angels, the fallen angels are known as watchers. Who have sent thee to pray for them. Who have what? Who have sent thee to pray for them. They sent Enoch to pray for them. After they transgressed the law, brothers and sisters, and was restricted to this realm, to this physical realm, they sent Enoch. Because why? Enoch was the most righteous man at that time. He's who taught Noah. Brothers and sisters, he, they sent him to, uh, excuse me, to, to intercede for them to the most high and say, listen, we made a mistake. We want to come back. Read that part again, brother. Who have, who have sent thee to pray for them. You ought to pray for men and not men for you. See, so he said, go back and tell those angels, you're supposed to be interceding for men and not the other way around. Continue. Verse 2, wherefore have you forsaken the lofty and holy heavens? See, so this was the sin of the angels, brothers and sisters. Which endures forever, and have lain with women. And have done what? And have lain with women. And have slept with women. Have defiled yourselves with the daughters of men. Have taken to yourselves wives. Have acted like the sons of the earth. And have begot an impudent offspring. So examine this, brothers and sisters. The fallen angels slept with women. Brothers and sisters, that's where you got the giants or what you call the Nephilim. These, that's where Goliath came from. And these giants that ruled the earth, brothers and sisters, is you had angels who can take the form of men. They did it all throughout the Bible, who slept with these women and the women had offspring. That's why it tells you and have begotten the impious offspring, brothers and sisters. That offspring was the giants. Read verse three, brother, please. Verse three, you being spiritual, holy and possessing a life which is eternal, have polluted yourselves with women, have begotten in carnal blood, have lusted in the blood of men, and have done as those who are flesh and blood do. He said, listen, you were spiritual and holy, possessing a life which was eternal. So you didn't need to have children. You didn't need to do that. Men have children to carry out their name and their legacy. Angels lived forever. Verse 4. These, however, die and perish. See, so what he's saying is these men, they die and perish. Men die and perish, and women die and perish. Therefore have I given them wives, that they might co cohabit with them, that sons might be born of them, and that this might be transacted upon earth. But you being from the beginning were made spiritual, possessing a life which is eternal. Possessing what? Possessing a life which is eternal. And not subject to death forever. Therefore I made not wise for you. Because being spiritual. 
your dwelling is in heaven. See, so he's like, listen, <laughs> you didn't, you, you lived in heaven. You were supposed to be down there dealing with that wickedness. And see, that's where you get these Zeus and Hercules. See, that's where you get this, this Greek mythology from, brothers and sisters. They, they know about Enoch. They built their own stories and records off of biblical text, brothers and sisters. Read 7 again, brother. Verse 7. Therefore I made not wise for you, because, being spiritual, your dwelling is in heaven. Now the giants... Now what? Now the giants... Now what? Now the giants who have, who have been born of spirit and flesh... See, why is it saying born of spirit and flesh? He already acknowledged... That the angels were made spiritual and they slept with the, the daughters of men who are flesh. Read that again, brother. Verse 8. Now the giants who have been born of spirit and of flesh shall be called upon earth evil spirits. Shall what? Shall be called upon earth evil spirits. This is where evil spirits come from, brothers and sisters. When these giants died, their spirits stayed in the earth. See? That's why he said you're wrestling not with flesh and blood. Those same giants that the Most High had to flood the earth for, to kill, the same giants, brothers and sisters. See, this is what was going on, brothers and sisters. There was Nephilim, or giants, that were bred by fallen angels who had intercourse with women. Read verse 8 again, brother, please. Verse 8. Now the giants who have been born of spirit and of flesh shall be called upon earth evil spirits. And on earth shall be their habitation. Evil spirits shall proceed from their flesh. Because they were created from above, from the holy watchers was their beginning and primary foundation. Evil spirits shall be upon earth. See, evil spirits shall they be upon earth. So these same fallen angels, the offspring, once they died off, right? The spirits became the evil spirits, brothers and sisters. And the, and the spirits of the wicked shall they be called the habitation of the spirits of heaven shall be in heaven. And upon earth shall be the habitation of terrestrial spirits who are born on earth. See, so examine that, brothers and sisters. This is why we wanted to go here, brothers and sisters. Read, read the next scripture, brother. Verse 9. The spirits of the giants shall be like clouds, which shall oppress, corrupt, fall, contend. And bruise upon earth. Read that again, brother. Verse 9. The spirits of the giants shall be like clouds, which shall oppress, corrupt, fall, contend, and bruise upon earth. See, see, the spirits of these giants would be like clouds. They would be like many brothers and sisters, which will oppress and corrupt. We learned a lot of wickedness from these fallen angels. They taught us about warfare and weaponry. Brothers and sisters, that came from the angel, uh, excuse me, from the giants or the fallen angels, brothers and sisters. See, so this is what the Most High is referring to, or this is what Paul is referring to when he says you wrestle not with flesh and blood. See, but the rulers of the darkness. And so, brothers and sisters, this is telling you what? This is telling you this is where d demons came from. This is the origin of demons. They were the spirit that was within the giants once they passed away, brothers and sisters. The spirit was restricted to stay on earth, brothers and sisters. See the value of Enoch now? <laughs> See? Because you have no origin if you don't go into Enoch of where these evil spirits came from, brothers and sisters. You wrestle not with flesh and blood. See? Now, we're going to go to 2 Baruch chapter 27. 
Verse 1, brothers and sisters. Second Baruch is not in your Apocrypha. It's in the Pseudepigrapha of the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. You have First Baruch there. But we're going to Second Baruch, chapter 27, verse 1 through 9. I need you to examine this, brothers and sisters. Because the what you'll realize is that the earth, the, the, the age of the earth is in 12 parts, brothers and sisters. And during each part, certain things would start to happen on the earth that the Bible gives an indication of what parts you're in based on some of the calamities that have come upon the earth. We're going to read Second Baruch chapter 27, verse 1 through 9. Second Baruch 27, verse 1. And he answered and said unto me, Into twelve parts is the time divided, and each one of them is reserved for that which is appointed for it. In the first part, there shall be the beginning of the commotion. Now, all of this come from the demons, brothers and sisters. So there will be commotions. There will be, you know, arguments, argumentative, brothers and sisters. So all of what we're getting ready to read here is coming from demons. Verse 3. And in the second part, there shall be slayings of the great ones. Slayings of the great ones. So these same demons would look to persecute Israel. Remember when Moses was born? When they were slaying the, uh, the, the, the male child. Remember when Christ was born? <laughs> they were looking to slay all the, you know, all the firstborns and all the male children. So what you'll learn, brothers and sisters, that these are demons in the earth that are looking to destroy us. Read verse 3 again, brother. Verse 3. And in the second part, there shall be slains of the great ones. And in the third part, the fall of many by death. War, brothers and sisters. Verse 5, and in the fourth part, the sending of the sword, and in the fifth part, famine, and the withholding of rain. Read that part again. Verse 6, and in the fifth part, famine, and the withholding of rain. Famines and the withholding of rain. They call it the harp system, brothers and sisters, where they know how to manipulate weather. Where do you think they learned that from, brothers and sisters? <laughs> they learned that from fallen angels. That's fallen angel technology, brothers and sisters. How they'll hit certain Hispanic countries... Or, or Africa over there and it don't rain for six months straight. <laughs> They're doing that, brothers and sisters. Or they'll hit Haiti with an earthquake. They do this, brothers and sisters. This They learn this technology from demons, brothers and sisters. The, the children of the fallen angels, brothers and sisters. Read six again, brother. Verse six. And in the fifth part, famine and the withholding of rain. Verse seven. And in the sixth part, earthquakes and terrors. Remember Christ said there'll be uh, great earthquakes? Remember that, brothers and sisters? See? I need you to examine verse the next verse. Verse 8, wanting. Verse, yep. verse 9, and in the eighth part, a multitude of specters. Examine this, brothers and sisters. A multitude, which means an inordinate amount. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. And in the eighth part, a multitude of specters and attacks of the Shittim. Shittim. Examine this. It says in the eighth part, a multitude, an innumerable amount of specters and attacks of Shittim. So, you know, I had to look this up. I'm like, what is specters and Shittim? Brothers and sisters, this is demons. <laughs> in the eighth part will be a multitude of demonic attacks, brothers and sisters. See, we're in this time, brothers and sisters. We're in this time. You see it. You know, when you're walking down the street, especially in a lot of these uh, inner cities, people who are walking around, talking to themselves, screaming, yelling, people setting themselves on fire. 
people uh, worshiping Baal. They set up a, uh, you know, they set up a, um, a Baphomet in Detroit, brothers and sisters. People were, brother, I saw it the other day, set himself on fire. That down there in D.C. also with that phallus, that uh, what you call that Washington Monument, which is actually uh, an idol, an Egyptian idol of a phallus, of a male's member. So Baruch tell you in the eighth part, there would be a numerable amount of specters in the attacks of the Chittim, brothers and sisters, which is demons. This is why we're bringing this lesson to you, brothers and sisters, because there would be an inordinate amount of demon possession. You notice you see them shows. Where somebody said they stabbed somebody a hundred times, they blocked out, they don't really even remember. Yes, you're being controlled by a demon. See, the attacks of the Chittim, brothers and sisters. We're under attack, brothers and sisters. That's why we're bringing this lesson together, because there would be an, uh, uh, there would be an elevated level of urgency for the knowledge of how to defend ourselves from spiritual attacks. See? We're going to leave 2 Baruch 27. We're going to go back to Ephesians 6, brothers and sisters. Follow us back to Ephesians 6, brothers and sisters. Because why? We need to identify the enemy. We're going to read Ephesians 6 and we're going to read verse 11. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places, fallen angels, brothers and sisters, see? So we needed to go so we could identify who? The enemy. Know who you're fighting. You can't fight unless you know what and who you're fighting, brothers and sisters. Read. Verse 13. Wherefore, take... On you the whole armor of God. Read that part again, brother. Wherefore take on you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. See, so you must take forward all of this armor that we're getting ready to read, brothers and sisters, to withstand in the evil day. Why? Because Second Baruch twenty-seven and nine said, in the eighth part there would be an inordinate number of demon attacks, demonic attacks, demon possession. Brothers and sisters, so you would need this armor to protect yourselves so these demons don't gain entry. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 13, Wherefore take on you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. Read that again, brother. Verse 14, Stand therefore, Having your loins girt about with truth. So examine this. This is your first. This is your first part of armor, brothers and sisters. It says, "Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth." What is this referencing, brothers and sisters? This is telling you that, uh, excuse me, sexual immorality is one of Satan's schemes, brothers and sisters. What's your loins? Your loins is your reproductive. You know. That's, you know, your reproductive organs, brothers and sisters. See? So he's given insight into preparing and strengthening us against the assaults and the attacks of Satan, brothers and sisters. Why? Because Satan and his legions look to gain entry through perversions of the flesh, brothers and sisters. Read that part again, brother. Verse 14. Stand therefore, 
having your loins girt about with truth. This is major, brothers and sisters. Your loins must be protected. He's given us the resources for fighting spiritual battles against Satan, brothers and sisters. So we're going to deal with this armor one by one, knowing that there's going to be a high level of demonic attacks. Let's go to Isaiah 11 and 5, because it's talking about having your loins girded, brothers and sisters. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how are we to protect our loins. Isaiah 11, verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. Read that again, brother. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. See, righteousness, brothers and sisters. We must guard our loins with righteousness. <laughs> so knowledge of how to battle against the allure of sexual sin, brothers and sisters. <laughs> In the last days, there would be a over-sexualizing of society, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you, your loins must be covered in righteousness. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. See? So the Bible provides the means for us to avoid sexual impurity, brothers and sisters. If we wish to be victorious in the midst of spiritual warfare, we must have full control against what? Sexual immorality and fleshly perversion, brothers and sisters. See, because sexual immorality, brothers and sisters, is the way for a demon to gain entry. See, and it leads to disease and sickness, which is a demon. So he's telling you, these are his tactics. These are his schemes. These are his strategies. And it's, it's you know, it's no coincidence that, uh, what they say, sex sales, brothers and sisters, <laughs> right? You go pick up a, a car magazine, you got women... With bikinis on, on a car magazine. It's like, what, I mean, what is this? What type of mess is this? They got, I mean, you know, on, on these television shows, brothers and sisters, right? That it, it just provokes lust. The music. Right, brothers and sisters? So, so why are they over-sexualizing society? Because they know that's how demons gain entry, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 18, because why? We're talking about having our loins girded with righteousness, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee fornication. Do what? Flee fornication. There is no sin that is more enslaving than sexual sin, brothers and sisters. Why? Because none can violate it without being exposed to the, excuse me, by being exposed to the awful vengeance of the Almighty. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his whole body. See? So examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. Flee fornication. Do what? Flee fornication. Paul doesn't tell us to be brave and resist the lustful passion of sexual immorality, but to flee from its very presence, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See? Because why? Some, some men, they think, you know... <laughs> They think it's cool, you know, I'm just hanging out, you know, at the strip club, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a married man. I got control of my vessel, you know. Yeah, I hang out with girls that, you know, uh, you know, want to sleep with me. <laughs> and you know a girl is attracted to you physically and, you, and you're hanging there. Even though, you know, you, you got a wife or something somewhere. Or sisters also. Yeah, I'm just using him. I know he liked me, but, you know, I'm just using him for a ride. Or he gonna let me borrow some money. Right? Read it again, brother. 
verse 18, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his whole body. See? So every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. <laughs> See? It's the serpent's commonly used tool in ravaging and dismantling a man's honor, his greatness. Many men and women have lost families over this, have lost marriages over this, have bred children from one night stands over this. So you actually destroy yourself, brothers and sisters. But the key part I want to deal with is the flee fornication. Why? Many have fallen, brothers and sisters, because they underestimated the power of lustful passion. It's not a game. It's not something to be, you know, made fun of because you got brothers who, you know, they think they count how many people they've laid down with. And that's a badge of honor. <laughs> brother, how I mean, how simple can you be, brother? You, you, you for the community. Everybody didn't had you, brother. I mean, who wants somebody that everybody didn't had? And see, that's the, <laughs> see, that's the trick of the devil. Even sisters, they say, well, yeah, you know, I used to do that, you know, but now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just getting it out my system. That's what they say. Yeah, I'm getting it out my system while I'm young. Then I'll be ready to settle down. It's like now, who wants somebody that been, you know, that been ran through all through, you know, the hood. <laughs> see, that's the devil right there. Brothers too. Who wants somebody now that you, oh, you're ready now. <laughs> who, who, you know, <laughs> see, that's, that's Satan right there. Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to just get it out of my system and then I'm going to go ahead and settle down. Who want to settle down with somebody who's widely known? <laughs> see, you're, you're, you're sinning against your own body, brother, sister. You must have your loins girded, brothers and sisters. We're going to 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, brothers and sisters. First Excuse me, 4 and 3. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That what? That ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. See, so Paul reminds us to keep away from every form of sexual sin, no matter how acceptable it might be within society, brothers and sisters. Because in society, they call it being free. That's a woman showing, you know, her freeness. <laughs> nah, you ain't showing your freeness. You're showing something else. Brothers carry this like a badge of honor. <laughs> See? So he's, everyone must know how to control or possess his vessel. Because if you don't, guess what? Demon possession. You've opened the door, brothers and sisters. Read verse 3 again, brother. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. See, we should abstain from fornication. So each believer is obligated to avoid sexual immorality by doing what? Read the next scripture, brother. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's how. In sanctification and honor. See, honor yourself. To ignore this teaching about sexual immorality is tantamount to reject, uh, excuse me, to rejecting and resisting the Most High Himself, brothers and sisters. This is the will of God that we abstain from fornication. <laughs> See, read verse four one more time, brother. Verse four. 
that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. Read that part again, brother. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. See, this is talking about self-mastery, self-governing, or self-control. The foundation of a strong, godly life, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See, if a person cannot govern himself, he cannot master his passions, Satan will gain entry. See, so a man who can't control himself isn't a man. He's a boy. He's still a child because he can't control his thoughts. He can't control his actions. He can't control what he's looking at. See, that's not a man there. I don't care if you, you could be 56. If you can't control yourself, you're not a man. You're still a child in a 56-year-old's body. So you must know to how to possess your vessel in this last hour, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you wrestle not with flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. See, you wrestle not with flesh and blood. And we want to, you know, the next scripture is going to go deeper in detail because it's not just about the physical act of fornication, brothers and sisters. There's a higher level that Christ introduced to us. We're going to find out. We're going to go to Matthew 5 and 28. Let's go to the gospel, brothers and sisters. We're going to the gospel. We're going to see what Christ has to say about this particular uh, act or sin. Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say unto you, that who, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, brothers and sisters? So this adultery and fornication is the same here, brothers and sisters. Christ made the, excuse me, made the lustful thought as sinful as the overt act, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See, this is self-mastery. Brothers and sisters, because some people will say, well, I didn't commit the act. You know, I'm just watching pornography. It's like, brother, that's a sin. <laughs> Sister, that's a sin because you got sisters out there doing that mess, too. You got matter of fact, one brother I heard uh, say, well, yeah, you know, we bring this type of thing into our bedroom. Me and my wife, you know, to keep it spicy. I'm like, brother, it's about to get real hot up in there, brother, <laughs> because the hellfire and brimstone is on the way to that bedroom, brother. Okay. Read, read 28 again, brother, please. Verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, so if a man earnestly wished to commit an evil, but cannot, because God puts time, place, or opportunity out of his power, he's fully chargeable with the iniquity of that act. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you would do it if you had opportunity. You would do it. <laughs> So all of our senses must be kept from those things which lead to transgression, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, so sexual sin is strongly condemned throughout scripture, brothers and sisters. He's talking about keeping your loins girded. <laughs> this is the first step, brothers and sisters. The first step is don't even look at a woman for that, you know, for that type of sensation, because it leads to the act, brothers and sisters. If whoever you was looking at came up to you, brother or sister, and said, yeah, you know, let's go commit some fornication, you would do it. <laughs> you would do it. So Christ is telling you, you have to control even what you're looking at, because that opens you up for demonic possession. Even about what you're looking at, brothers and sisters. See, and this is how you can tell the difference. This is what separates the men from the boys here. This is what separates the men from the boys. 
because a woman walk, you know, past uh, with something tight on and a brother just feel like he just have to look. He just have to look. You going to end up looking at one of these transgenders out here because you can't control yourself, brothers out here, because I mean, this the time we in. You got some dudes out here who you can't tell Adam's apple strong. And you, you know, I can't tell you how many brothers I got caught up thinking, you know, just based off looks and find out you that's a man up under there. So I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is the prime time in which you, you can destroy yourself because you got transgenders walking around here, brothers and sisters, and you can't even tell if you don't, if you're not expecting it. So don't look after a person to lust after him. And this is sisters too. Let's go to the Testament of Benjamin, brother. We're going to the 12 patriarchs, brothers and sisters. We know that the 12 patriarchs are, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of the brothers or the sons of Jacob had a record, brothers and sisters. They all had a record. Because why? There was law before Moses, brothers and sisters. That's what people don't know. We had records before Moses. It's not like there was no laws until Moses. No, our forefathers each had a record that taught us how to deal with, you know, what that particular tribe was dealing with, brothers and sisters, how to protect ourselves so we wasn't to be destroyed. We're going to read uh, Testament of Benjamin, chapter 2, verse 2. Testament of Benjamin, 2, verse 2. He that hath a pure mind and love looketh not after a woman with a view to fornication. For he had no defilement in his heart, because the Spirit of God resteth upon him. See, this is an illustration of true righteousness, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. He that hath, that hath a pure mind and love looketh not after a woman with a view to fornication. See, he don't look after a woman for that. For he hath no defilement in his heart. Because the spirit of God resteth upon him. See? So sexual purity is much more than mere abstinence from physical immorality, brothers and sisters. It's an inner righteousness, a purity, not merely of the body, but of the mind, brothers and sisters. See? It does, it's not just a physical act. It's actually the mind also what you're looking at, brothers and sisters. Now, am I saying a man can't admire a woman's beauty? No, we're not saying that. But taking two, three looks, looking at her behind her chest, her measurements and all that, that that's not admiring her, be her beauty. That's admiring her booty. And that ain't what we're supposed to be doing, brothers. You can't be a man of God <laughs> in, in, in doing that type of madness, brothers and sisters. And I want to be clear. This is not just uh, men here, brothers and sisters, because sisters struggle with fornication also. Matter of fact, we're going to we're going to go to it. Go to brother. Go to the Testament of Reuben. Verse two and 15. Examine this, brothers and sisters, because sometimes, you know, the brothers think that it's just, you know, protect your loins. It's just for the men. And it's not everything that we're reading about spiritual armor is for men and women, because women can be, you know, possessed by demons also. Read Reuben, Testament of Reuben, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, brother. Testament of Reuben, 2, verse 15. For moreover, concerning them, the angel of the Lord told me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. Read that again, brother. Verse 15. For moreover, concerning them, 
the angel of the Lord told me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. Sisters are overcome with the spirit of fornication more than men, brothers and sisters. The Bible tell you this. They make it seem like that's all men think about. Nah, nah. It's actually the other way around. Women are thinking about this way more than men, brothers and sisters. And it's easier. They have more access because they get on uh, MySpace or uh, Facebook, whatever, all these sites. And then there's thousands of messages just right there. <laughs> so, of course, they're dealing with it more so because they have more access to it. Read that again, brother. Verse 15. For moreover, concerning them, the angel of the Lord told me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men, and in their heart they plot against men, and by means of their adornment they deceive first their minds, and by the glance of the eye instill the poison, and then through the accomplishment act they take them captive. See, so this is talking about a wicked woman, brothers and sisters, who does certain things <laughs> to be seen. See, they put on the, the tight, you know... It's like this this new thing where you suck everything in <laughs> and then put something tight on. It's like you can see everything, brothers and sisters. Sisters walking around with fire orange hair, you know, rainbow hair. It's like, I mean, if you ain't looking for attention, I don't know what you're looking for. You want somebody to look at you. Sisters be walking around like, no, they're going to give me some attention. Bible's telling you about that, brothers and sisters, because that same type of woman that got her behind all out, got something tight on, who want a man to look at him, or is the same one that's dealing with that fornication, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 16. For a woman cannot force a man openly, but by a harlot's bearing she beguiles him. See, and this is talking about a wicked woman, a harlot, brothers and sisters. These sisters know what they're doing, brothers and sisters. Sisters will tell you. They know sisters who are trying to get attention, trying to get a sugar daddy or somebody who's going to uh, just... You know, buy them all types of stuff. Known for just being up in the club, accepting drinks from everybody. Got the tightest thing on, right? See? Got the, 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 bright, <laughs> the bright pink hair. Trying to get attention. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Once you call for attention, you can't hang up the phone. See? You can't hang up the phone once you made that call for attention. Because usually the attention you're going to get... <laughs> Not the attention that you that you need. You're going to get all the wrong attention. And then you probably end up with children out of this mess. So the Bible's telling you. Women are overcome by fornication more than men. So this is not just towards men. Sisters also. And the ones you can tell are dealing with all that fornication is how they're dressed. They must be modestly dressed. You can tell a woman who's not dealing in that spirit of a harlot by her appearance, brothers and sisters. She's not doing things all with her face and, you know, with her eyes to just make, you know, certain things going on. When you look at that, that Egyptian symbol, that eye, that was the demons that was teaching them about makeup, brothers and sisters. That's actually in Enoch. Now, are we saying that a woman can't wear makeup? No, that's not what we're saying. But there's certain makeup out there that changed your whole appearance to be somebody else. To, to enhance your beauty. Be careful with that because that's going to open you up to the spiritual fornication. Excuse me. To the spirit of fornication, brothers and sisters. Have your loins girded with truth and righteousness. See? 
Let's go back to Ephesians 6, brother. We're going back. Followers, brothers and sisters, we're dealing with what? We're dealing with the armor to protect you from what? Spiritual, uh, spiritual and demonic possession. Fornication was one of the main stays, brothers and sisters. This is one of his most commonly used tactics, especially living in a society that we're living in, in, in Babylon. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. And what? And having the breast on the breastplate of righteousness. See? Have on the breastplate of righteousness. What is this speaking of, brothers and sisters? Our hearts need protection from the attacks of Satan, brothers and sisters. See? So this breastplate shields us from sin that Satan would not be able to penetrate with ease, brothers and sisters. See? So there's a biblical mandate for us to recognize the treasure of the heart. We must prioritize the task of guarding our heart, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. See, so he's telling you, listen, protect your loins. Protect your loins. Don't deal with fornication. And now I need you to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. We're going to show you how do you protect your heart, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1, verse 12. Ecclesiasticus 1, verse 12. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart. See, the fear of the Most High make a merry heart. And giveth joy and gladness and a long life. And what? And giveth joy and gladness and a long life. A long life, brothers and sisters. You protect your heart, you have a long life. <laughs> the fear of the Most High, brothers and sisters. So disobedience to the Most High means sacrificing our happiness, brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's only one thing that give a person true happiness, brothers and sisters. So the people that commit suicide, the people who are depressed... They're actually the people who don't follow the laws of God because that's what the fear of the Lord is, is following his laws. I've never met a person who follow God's laws, his dietary law, his Sabbath, his holy day law that committed suicide or, or was depressed. Never met it. See? So that's how the devil will persuade you. That's how a demon will persuade you. You'll be happy if you do what you want to do. No, you'll destroy yourself if you do. What you want to do. This is how you protect your heart. Read it again, brother. From 12? Yes. Verse 12. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart, and giveth joy, and gladness, and a long life. See, that's the key. A long life come from the fear of the Most High, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Most High God prolongs life and increases the quality <laughs> and the length, to be quite frank, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Most High God is the means of preserving persons from those things which are pernicious to the health of men. See? The breastplate of righteousness. This is how you protect your heart with the fear of the Most High, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 30 and 22. Same chapter, uh, excuse me, same book, different chapter. Ecclesiasticus 30, verse 22. The gladness of the heart is the life of man. Read that again. The gladness of the heart is the life of man. 
and the joyfulness of a man prolongeth his days. See, and we already read in the previous scripture that the fear of the Most High bring gladness and joy. <laughs> See how that link flawless? See, the fear of the Most High make a man glad <laughs> and a woman, which does what? In turn, prolongeth his days. See? So when our heart is jubilant and strong, we're able to resist the temptations that cause many saints to stumble, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. The gladness of the heart is the life of man, and the joyfulness of a man prolongeth his days. See? So whatever's in your heart comes out in your life, brothers and sisters. If you think about God and godliness with an affectionate and eager desire to please him, your life will be fulfilling and long, brothers and sisters. See? That breastplate of righteousness. This is what he was referring to when he's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 3 and 27, Brother Joshua. Same book, brothers and sisters, different chapter. Ecclesiasticus 3, verse 27. An obstinate heart shall be laden with sorrows. Read that again, brother. An obstinate heart shall be laden with sorrows, and the wicked man shall heap sin upon sin. See? So your heart determines your life, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Blessing or grief in your life depends on ruling and training your heart, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus 3, verse 27. An abstained heart shall be laden with sorrows, and the wicked man shall heap sin upon sin. See? So your heart is your greatest asset. For it, excuse me, for it can do more for you or it can do more against you, <laughs> brothers and sisters. It can do more for you than anything else. Either lead to sorrows and death or happiness. That's why you need what? You need that breastplate of righteousness, brothers and sisters. Your heart needs to be protected, brothers and sisters. See? We're going to go to Proverbs 4 and 23. Please follow us to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out, of, for out of it the issues of life. Read that again, brother. Verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See? So the heart is the master control of the life, brothers and sisters. A wrong heart always produces a wrong life, brothers and sisters. So it's telling you, to allow sin into the heart is to pollute the entire life, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See? So protect our heart with all diligence, brothers and sisters. Live in the Most High's word, and he will protect your path, direct your path, and perfect your path, brothers and sisters. Because out of the heart come the issues of life. So we must keep diligence. We must value the heart and protecting it, brothers and sisters. Why? Because Satan so often attacks us in the area of our emotions and feelings. <laughs> These are the areas covered by the breastplate of righteousness, brothers and sisters. We're going to go back to Ephesians 6. We're dealing with what, brothers and sisters? Spiritual armor. We're dealing with the armor. We're going to Ephesians 6, and we're going to read verse 14 and 15. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, 
and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet showed with the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. So examiners, now we're dealing with what? We've dealt with the loins, we've dealt with the heart and chest, now we're dealing with the feet, brothers and sisters. Soldiers marching into battle must have comfortable shoes, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Getting prepared to battle against the forces of Satan, you must have this, the gospel of peace. Why? It's called the gospel of peace because it establishes peace between God and man. So you must know what to do with your feet, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. And your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, why is it saying this, brothers and sisters? With the preparation of the gospel of peace. Because Satan will try to place obstacles in our path, brothers and sisters. So we must remain focused and fixated. This, need, this calls for a high level of concentration, brothers and sisters. See? What to do with our feet? We're going to go to Proverbs 4 and 25. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on me, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Do what? Ponder the path of thy feet. Do what? Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not, up, turn not to the right hand nor the left. Remove thy feet from evil. See? So examine this, brothers and sisters. Rather, it says, let thine eyes look straight before thee and ponder the path of your feet, brothers and sisters. So rather than bouncing from one goal or direction to another, you must have one goal, brothers and sisters. A prudent man or woman fix their lives on one steady course. They're not jumping all over the place. They have a plan. They have a goal. They're disciplined in all aspects of their life towards their chosen goals. This is what the Bible is telling you. Your feet is important within the, the aspect of spiritual warfare. Read that from the top, brother. Verse 25. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on me. Look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Do what? Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. See, so that's the key part. Ponder, brothers and sisters, right? Ponder means to weigh or matter, excuse me, uh, weigh a matter mentally. To consider it carefully. And after the pondering, <laughs> it's our duty to fix and secure our ways in the fear of the Lord. It says, and let all thy ways be established. So after pondering the path of our feet, brothers and sisters, we find what? We find security. We find a foundation in the fear of the Most High God. So don't just make decisions without thinking, brothers and sisters. See, you must dissect carefully any decision that you make, brothers and sisters. Where you're going to go, what you're going to do, who you're going to be with, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to eat. You must think, brothers and sisters, I know so many times when I'm, you know, admonishing a brother, he's like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like, I know, brother. I know. We have to start thinking, especially for our men. We have to start thinking, brothers and sisters. We must be focused. We must be concentrated. We must be fixated. There's too many of us have our mind in all these different areas. You must stick on one course. That's why it says, 
Read 25 again, brother. Verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. See? Look straight at your goal. Stop looking at all this other stuff that's holding you up. You're looking in your peripherals. You're looking in the rear view. Look straight ahead to your goal. Accomplish that. Ponder the path of thy feet, which means you have a goal, and every step you take should be towards that goal. See, brothers and sisters? You must be prepared. Because if you start getting sidetracked, what happens? You open yourself up for possession, brothers and sisters. See? So we're talking about what to do with our feet, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 21 and 2. Going back to the Apocrypha. Ecclesiastes chapter 21, verse 2. Ecclesiastes 21, verse 2. Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. Do what? Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. For if thou cometh too near it, it will bite thee. It says, flee from the face of sin as if it was a serpent, brothers and sisters. So fleeing involves effort. It involves straining. It involves speed. <laughs> See? Don't even be anywhere near that, that sin, brothers and sisters. You flee when you need to find and experience safety from a threat. And you must view sin as a threat. Because if you don't and you're comfortable with it, like, yeah, I can be around it, you know. Yeah, I hang out with people who, who do cocaine, you know, and, and get drunk all the time. Yeah, but I ain't doing it. Nah, you're opening yourself up to be taken down. You're supposed to flee. I'm not hanging out with people who are doing lines. I'm not hanging out with people who want to go to the club and get drunk. I'm not doing that. Read it again, brother. Verse 2. Flee from sin as from the face of a serpent. For if thou cometh too near it, it will bite thee. The teeth thereof are as the teeth of a lion, slaying the souls of men. Doing what? Slaying the souls of men. See, brothers and sisters, you flee when it's too dangerous to remain where you are. When standing still could put you in mortal danger, brothers and sisters. See, you flee from sin as the face of a serpent. Because why? People... Birds of a flock, you know, you're usually, <laughs> you're usually more alike the people that you're hanging out with, brothers and sisters. So if you're hanging out with people that's doing that type of madness, you're probably doing that type of madness. So anytime there's sin going on, I'm not there. I'm not going to the crack house. I'm not going to the club because the club, what, what righteous is coming out of the club? <laughs> is this something that somebody, you know, somebody going to come to church out the club? Like, yeah, you know what? I go to church on the Sabbath if you want to you want to come. Is that what's going on up in the club? Or is there a bunch of inebriation and intoxication? A bunch of drugs and fornication? That's why I don't go to the bar. There's too many too much going on. I don't drink, but personally, I you know, I don't think it's good for people to go to the bar because it's, it's too much sin going on up in there, brothers and sisters. See? I'm not going to a rave. <laughs> it's not happening. Flee from sin. Because if you, if you stay around opportunity to sin, it does what? Read the, read the last part, brother. The teeth thereof are as the teeth of a lion, slaying the souls of men. See? Slaying the souls of men and women, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 3. All iniquity is as a two-edged sword. The wounds thereof cannot be healed. See, brothers and sisters? Flee! From sin as the face of a serpent. See, if you saw a snake, are you are you just, you know, you're going to sit there and play with it? 
You're going to walk away. You're going to take off. Exactly. So you must treat that sin as a serpent, brothers and sisters. Don't play around with it. We're going to go to Psalms 1 and 1, brothers and sisters. We're talking about what to do with our feet. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See? So the blessed man or woman doesn't do certain things, brothers and sisters. There's a way he will not walk. There's a path he will not stand in. And there's a seat he will not sit. Read that again, brother. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See, and this is especially pertinent to young people who are generally easily influenced by their peers, brothers and sisters. See, <laughs> you can't be blessed when you're having counsel with ungodly people, brothers and sisters. It says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That means you're not in the way of sinners. You're not where sinners are. You're not doing what sinners do. Some people thought this meant, oh, you're, you're stopping sinners from gaining the truth. No, this is talking about being in the same lane as a sinner. You shouldn't be nowhere near that because Christ said, what does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. So what is this telling you? It's crucial to be on guard against the influence of bad company. Why? Because those people is probably already possessed by a demon that comes and goes. And you're going to be around that person? We don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Because why? If you've been with a scorned person, especially a scorned woman, nothing that you say can be good. Sisters know. They know other sisters that scorn. And not, they can't see the good in anything. <laughs> they want you to be scorned just like them. So they'll always give you terrible advice. You must have the strength to separate yourself from ungodly connections, brothers and sisters. Because if you don't, you're opening yourself up. You're opening yourself up. You're giving entry to the devil. Read that again, brother. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doeth he meditate day and night. See? So, uh, am I saying you can't, you know, you can't ever deal with the sinner? No, I'll deal with the sinner, but I'm going to deal with it on my playing field. <laughs> I'm not coming to the club, okay? I'm not coming to the uh, dispensary. <laughs> I'm not coming to the rave. I'm not doing that. You're going to come to me and we'll deal on my playing field. Because I didn't had brothers say, well, I'm like, well, brother, that, that brother's known for, you know, just getting high, brother. You know, just smoking a bunch of ganja. Well, yeah, yeah, I know that. But I was, you know, I was trying to convert him. I'm like, brother, you can't convert somebody dealing with the same thing you're struggling with, brother. Don't try to convert. <laughs> See, that's how we trick ourselves. That's how the demon jump in you. A brother that's dealing with, you know, <laughs> just been delivered from alcoholism. And then he's going to go try to convert somebody at the club or at the bar. It's like, no, nah, brother, no, nah. no. Nah. Well, yeah, I just went up in there, you know, to the dispensary. Even, you know, I stopped smoking weed last week. But, yeah, I was trying to, you know, just bring a brother to Christ. It's like, brother, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? You, if somebody going to deal with you, then they're going to deal with you on your playing field. 
not amongst all this sin. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to Romans 10 and 15. Brothers and sisters. Said our feet must be shod in the gospel of peace. Romans 10 and 15. Romans 10 verse 15. And, and how shall they preach? Except they be sent. As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Read that again, brother. How beautiful are, are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring, and bring glad things and bring glad, glad tidings of good things. See, so examine this. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And, and bring glad tidings of good things. See, so our feet must be prepared to go wherever the work is, brothers and sisters. How beautiful is it a thing for us to bring righteousness to somebody? Wherever the work take you. He told what? He told um, Jonah to go to this city. He's told Paul, go here, go there, go here. You must go wherever the work is, brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing. To bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel of peace. So not only should you flee from fornication and sin. As the face of a serpent. But when you flee. This is what you're bringing with you. See. Wherever you go. Brothers and sisters. When you come in the room. This is what you're bringing. <laughs> you're bringing the gospel of peace. You're bringing the glad tidings. You're speaking of good things. You're speaking of righteousness. <laughs> See. You're not sitting in the seat of the scornful. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters, when when you come, people know you're bringing truth. You're bringing the gospel of peace. You're bringing righteousness. See, brothers and sisters, this is what we are to use our feet to do, because the Bible tells you we run to evil. <laughs> we run to evil. Is the Bible study there? You know, nobody come. You say, oh, oh we having a we having a barbecue, a cookout there. <laughs> There's going to be girls there. They're like, how, how, how many girls up in there? <laughs> they come running for that. You run for evil. If I say I got a, a pound of some marijuana that I'm giving out for free. <laughs> See? Or let me say, well, listen, man, we're going to break down some scriptures, man. We're giving out free Bibles. <laughs> See? Use your feet for righteousness, brothers and sisters. We're going to go now to Ephesians 6 and 16, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6 and 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Do what? Above all, taking the shield of faith, where wherewithin ye shall be able to quench all the fierce darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked, brothers and sisters. So you must have the shield of faith, wherewith you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. So faith in this case is what deflects the attacks of the enemy, brothers and sisters. The other parts of the armor will protect the soldier if the shield is bypassed. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters, the strongest defense is the shield. It actually protects the rest of the armor, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewithin ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of wickedness. See, you must have faith, brothers and sisters. Faith what? Faith that everything we've just read will help you <laughs> against the wiles of the devil, brothers and sisters. Faith is critical. Faith is crucial. 
Faith is required. We're going to go to Wisdom of Solomon in the Apocrypha, chapter 3, verse 9. Wisdom of Solomon 3, verse 9. They that put their trust in him shall understand the truth. Do, read that one more time. They that put their trust in him shall understand the truth. Those who have faith in him will understand truth. And such be as such as be faithful in love and shall abide with him. For grace and mercy is to his saints. And he hath care for his elect. See, so he'll have grace and mercy on those who have faith in him, brothers and sisters. And you having faith gives you the understanding of truth. The understanding of the gospel. Many people can't even go into the Bible. They'll read the same scriptures you're reading, brothers and sisters, and not have any understanding of it. Why? Because there's no faith. <laughs> there's no faith. So in order for us to obtain grace and mercy, we must have that shield of faith, brothers and sisters, to know that what? All things work together to the glory of those who trust and love the Most High. That's faith. Brothers and sisters, faith that the commandments keep you in perfect peace. That's the faith it's talking about. Faith that what? Fasting and prayer relieves you from the presence of a demon. See? This is the faith it's talking about, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 15 and 15 to talk more about this faith. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 15, verse 15. If thou wilt to keep his commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness. See, to keep his commandments is to perform faithfulness. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. If thou wilt to keep his commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness, he has set fire and water before thee. He have done what? He has set fire and water before thee. Stretch forth thy hand on a, whether thou wilt. He set fire and water before thee. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 17. Before man is life and death, and whether him liketh shall be given, given him. See, so what is this talking about? He set fire and water before thee. That choice of baptism, brothers and sisters, which leads to life. And if you reject, you don't have faith in that baptism. You just think it's a bath. Then you have death, you have fire and brimstone. And whichever one of these you choose is going to be what you're going to receive. He said, listen, I put fire and water before you. So many people will explain off baptism. <laughs> well, nah, you know, baptism's reading the word, is it? <laughs> For your sake, I hope you're right. <laughs> For your sake. Read verse 17 again, brother. Verse 17. Before man is life and death. And whether him liketh shall be given him. See, what did, what did the Bible say? What did John say, brothers and sisters? The book of John. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. Christ was baptized. You must be baptized in physical water. Why? Because that's you humbling yourself, admitting that you're a sinner like everyone else. <laughs> See, Christ was baptized. A man who had no sin was baptized. So how can you then explain it off? As if you have no sin. See? Read it from the top, brother. Verse 6, Ecclesiasticus 15, verse 15. If thou wilt to keep it to keep the commandments and to perform acceptable faithfulness, he has set fire and water before thee. Stretch forth thy hand unto whether thou wilt. Before man is life and death, 
and whether him like it shall be given him. See? So water or death, brothers and sisters. You're either going to take that water and be cleansed and forgiven, or you're going to receive that fire. <laughs> the choice is yours. But I was telling you, listen, before man is life and death. Whichever one you like, that's what you're going to receive. I beseech you, brethren, choose that water as a sign, as a public sign of not only your humility, but your obedience to the Most High God. See, that's that faith he's talking about. That's that shield of faith to trust, to believe that the baptism that you read of Hebrews, the doctrine of Christ is valid. <laughs> because if you don't have faith in that, then you're going to have fire and brimstone. You're going to have death. You're going to have a hard life, brothers and sisters. The choice is yours. Do you have faith in baptism? Do you have faith in the commandments? Or are you going to explain it off? Let's go to Ephesians 6 and 17. We've dealt with the faith. We've dealt with the loins, having our, our, our loins, our reproductive uh, organs, covered and protected. We've dealt with the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart. We've now picked up our shield of faith, brothers and sisters. Now, what's the next form of our uh, armor? Ephesians 6, verse 17. Actually, read verse 16 again, brother. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. Wherewithin ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Right. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You must have faith, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Do what? And take the helmet of salvation. Now, what is this referring to? The helmet. The helmet of salvation, brothers and sisters. What does a helmet do? A helmet protects your head or your mind, brothers and sisters. The mind is the battlefield. <laughs> your thoughts control your actions, brothers and sisters. So your mind must be protected. Your head must be protected, brothers and sisters. Look at this, all of this armor. Look at all this armor, brothers and sisters, that he's telling you you're going to need in order to fight off demonic possession. We've gone from having your loins girded Protecting yourself from sexual immorality. Right? Having your heart focused on the Most High God. Keeping your heart in diligence. Right? The shield of faith, brothers and sisters. And having your feet shod. Knowing what to do with your feet. When to run. Where to run. And what to do when you get there. Now we're dealing with what? Read verse 17 again, brother. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Right. The helmet of salvation. Let's deal with that. What is this referring to when it's talking about a helmet of salvation? Brothers and sisters, we're going to show you. We're going to go to 1 Peter 5 and 8. He said we need a helmet to protect our head. What does it mean about protecting our head? 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober. Do what? Be sober. Do what? Be sober. Be vigilant. Being sober is being vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, does what? Walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Examine that, see? Being sober, brothers and sisters. That helmet of salvation. <laughs> you must be sober. 
Why? Because the devil is looking for entry. <laughs> See? So Peter, 1 Peter 5, is telling you what? To be free from the influence of intoxicants. Not to allow ourselves to be captivated by any type of influence that would lead us away from sound judgment, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Joshua. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. See, so we're called to be alert because we're fighting a very cunning enemy, brothers and sisters. When it comes to battle, we have to be alert. Why do you think they don't allow people in the military to do drugs and get high, brothers and sisters? Because how are you going to protect your country? How are you going to protect anything in your high? <laughs> See? That's why the Bible tells you to ponder the path of your feet. Think. Think. You're not thinking in your right mind when you're intoxicated, brothers and sisters. When you're inebriated, brothers and sisters. And this is with wine and alcohol and these drugs, brothers and sisters. People getting high off mushrooms, smoking marijuana. Be sober. Because why? You being intoxicated opens the door. And that demon just needs entry, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. See, sobriety, brothers and sisters, is, is important during this day and age. It's not time to be getting all high and, and to be drinking like that, brothers and sisters. We are called to be sober. See, this is what it's talking about with that helmet of salvation. This is how you protect your head, by being sober. <laughs> That's one of the ways in which you protect your head. We're going to go to 1 Peter 4 and 7, brothers and sisters. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. Why is it telling us we must be sober? But the end of all things is at hand. Read that again. But the end of all things is at hand. Read that again, brother. But the end of all things is at hand. See, we're at the end, brothers and sisters. We're in the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. See, this is not the time <laughs> to be all liquored up and drunk and inebriated or high. Read that again, brother. Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch on a prayer. See? So being sober-minded goes beyond abstaining from drunkenness, brothers and sisters. It's not just wine. It's not just wine. Because they've had this thing now in America where weed is just legal everywhere. You can just buy it at the gas station pretty much. Why they want everybody high, brothers and sisters? Hmm? Why? Because they know that the children of Israel are waking up. That's why. They, they know there will be an uh, innumerable amount of the attacks of the children, brothers and sisters. See? You're not focused. How are you going to take something down? How are you going to take down an empire? How are you going to rule a kingdom in you high? The Most High is telling you, listen, <laughs> since you high, goodbye. Okay? Goodbye. You must be so reminded, brothers and sisters. 
We are called to keep our minds alert and prepared for action, brothers and sisters. See? Because why? We're in the time of the end. We're going to go to the testament of Judah. Let's go to the 12 patriarchs, brother Joshua. We're going to read the testament of Judah. Judah was one of the children of who? Jacob, the father of the Jews, the father of the quote unquote African Americans. He had this struggle of with wine, as many black people do, black men do. We're going to read Testament of Judah, chapter 3. We're going to read 11 through 13, brother. Testament of Judah, chapter 3, verse 11. For the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. For the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. See? So the power of wine. That's Judas giving us the power of wine in the aid of facilitating fornication, brothers and sisters. For these two also take away the mind of man. They take away the mind of the man, brothers and sisters. There's a link between the wine or the getting high, the being inebriated, intoxicated, and fornication. <laughs> See? See, and we we've already discussed that fornication was keeping your loins girded. You see how your loins being girded and having that helmet on link, brothers and sisters, because if your mind ain't right, that leads to something going on in your loins. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 11, for the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. For these two also take away the mind of man. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it is disturbeth the, with the mind with filthy thoughts. It does what? Disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts, leading to fornication. See? <laughs> That's why I'm telling you, sober-minded. Because fornication, we already read, destroy yourself. <laughs> See? He's given us high knowledge of what substance heightens our senses to the sensation of fornication. Brothers and sisters, how many what they what's that song they have? Uh, blame it on alcohol, right? How many times have a brother, sisters, have a brother, you know, come to you and say, "Yeah, I, you know, I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. I just woke up in her bed." Brothers, have you ever heard a sister say the same thing? You see, brothers and sisters, and this is why men go to bars and start buying women drinks, and then sisters will be sitting there allowing a man to buy you a drink. What do you think he buying you a drink for? See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. Verse 12. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts, leading to fornication, and heateth the body to carnal union. And if the occasion of the lust be presented... Read, present. Read that again, brother. And if the occasion of the lust be present, he worketh the sin, and is in... And is not ashamed. Examine that. If the occasion of the lust be present. That means if the opportunity for the fornication is there, he'll do it. <laughs> he'll do it. See, this is what <laughs> this is what Judah's telling you. This is how that wine worked with that spirit of fornication. See? It heat up the body. You get that warm feel, right? It give you and if it, it if the occasion of the lust is present. And you're inebriated, you will work that sin. Man and woman. 
Read that one more time from the top, brother. Testament of Judah, chapter 3, verse 11. For the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. For these two also take away the mind of man. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts, leading to fornication, and heateth the body to carnal union. And if the occasion of the lust be present, he worketh the sin, and is not ashamed. And what? And is not ashamed. Not even ashamed. <laughs> See? Not even ashamed. A man or a woman, not even ashamed. See? So no, you shouldn't be in a uh, an environment where there's a bunch of drinking going on because it leads to a bunch of sin. Do you want your your wife or your husband around a bunch of drunk men or a bunch of drunk women? I don't think you do. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 13. Such is the inebriated man, my children, for he who is drunken... Reverence. Reverenceth no man. See, so when you're drunk, you don't even respect those who you would initially in your right state of mind respect. You have no respect for anyone. See, this is all that come with that being drunkenness. Now, if we now listen, having a drink or something of wine, one glass or something, not getting drunk. But it, it'd be best to just stay away from it altogether, because after one one drink, your mind is already not clear. So it's likely that you're going to have another one, brothers and sisters. But it, listen, moderation is critical, brothers and sisters. But there's people who deal with this. And it have an effect on their thoughts. The Bible's telling you what? Sober-minded. Because it disturbed your mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication. Now you're looking at uh, a, your, your, your homegirl's husband. Or you're looking at your, your homeboy's wife. Why? Because you got that spiritual wine up in you. You got that, that strong... You got that strong wine up in you, that strong drink, that alcohol up in you that take away your mind where you don't even respect those who you respected. That's the power. And you got to respect that wine. You got to respect, you know, not only the wine, but all these other stuff that people is getting high off, brothers and sisters. See, you must be in your right mind because if you're not in your right mind, you're open to be possessed. You're open. You've now just given entry to the demon. We're going to go to Wisdom of Solomon, brothers and sisters. We just went there to show you how wine, excuse me, camouflages our sin. See? Work of the sin and not ashamed. We're going to go to Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 9, brothers and sisters. We're going back to the Apocrypha. The helmet of salvation, brothers and sisters. The helmet of salvation. Look at this detailed knowledge that the Most High is blessing us with in order to protect ourselves. Wisdom of Solomon 9, verse 15. Verse 9. Verse 9. And the wisdom was with thee, which knoweth thy works, and was present when thou madest the world, and knew what was acceptable in thy sight, and right in thy commandments. This is talking about the Holy Spirit, which is wisdom. Verse 10, O send her out of thy holy heavens and from the throne of thy glory, that being present she may labor with me, that I may know what is pleasing 
on the deed. See, so the Holy Spirit show you, the Mother Spirit show you how to please the Most High God. For she knoweth and understandeth all things, and she shall lead me soberly in Read my Read that doings. again. Verse 11. For she knoweth and understandeth all things, and she shall lead me soberly in my doings. She shall what? She shall lead me soberly in my, in my doings. Examine that, brothers and sisters. She only leads you when you're sober. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters? If substances control us, then you can't be controlled by the Spirit of the Most High. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Sober-minded people choose to abstain from practices that would lead them into sin. See? So with, you know, everything going on in America, wars coming, people talking about, yeah, we got to flee Babylon. You, you don't need to flee if you're not going to be sober because you're not going to be led. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not leading people who are high and drunk. See? Read 11 again, brother, because this is critical here. Wisdom of Solomon 9, verse 11. For she knoweth and understandeth all things, and she shall lead me soberly in my doings. See? And preserve me in her power. See? This explains the urgency behind the frequent commands to be sober-minded, because you can't be led by the Spirit if you're not. I know brothers out there who say, I want to stop smoking weed, and, and they have a blunt in their hand, and then ask God, you know, I just want to stop smoking. It's like, no, brother. You have to stop smoking and then pray to the Most High God. Not pray to Him while you're high. Don't go into the Scriptures while you're high. Well, yeah, I just understand the, the word better when I'm drunk. I actually listen better when I'm drunk. No, brother, you got to... De the demon's already there. Because, it, I mean, <laughs> anytime you start saying that, that's the demon in you. Like, no, no, no. You're actually better when you're high. You actually, you actually understand God better when you're drunk. That's a demon. <laughs> that's a demon. I had one brother tell me that years ago. He's like, yeah, man, my mind has just opened up. It's so clear. It's vivid. I'm like, brother, that's a demon. That's a demon that you think you need to be high to go into the Bible. You have a problem, brother. People thinking, well, yeah, you can't be addicted to marijuana. Really? Because a lot of brothers now who are learning that they are addicted when they try to put it down. And it's like they can't put it down. They can dial it back, but they can't just stop. This is not the same ganja, brothers and sisters, that your granddaddy was smoking in the 70s. Anytime the government take <laughs> take action, they're adding things to it to make it stronger and make it addictive, brothers and sisters. This is not that, you know, that stuff you're getting from Mexico now. They, they got these things up in, you know, in, in laboratories, adding all types of chemicals and additives to this stuff. They got, it's not, you know, and even these drinks. They got, you know, rap stars, pop stars, these moguls. First thing they get is an alcohol beverage line. Uh, Puff Daddy Combs and Ciroc. Or, uh, you know, um, 56 and uh, F and Vodka and all these different stuff. See? They know it. They know that black men have a problem with this specifically. Specifically black men. All of Israel is doing it, but specifically the Jews, the king tribe. That's why when you go through in the ghettos, in the black neighborhoods, you see alcohol on every corner. See? And that's why we're fornicating. That's why we're sleeping around all over the place. That's why we got children by 10 different women. 
Because why? That wine, that getting high, work with that spirit of fornication. See? And you can't be led by the spirit. How do we know? Read 11 again, brother. What is the most Solomon 9, verse 11? For she knoweth and understandeth all things. And she shall lead me soberly in my doings. And preserve me in her power. See? See, brothers and sisters, you must be sober. Because you're not going to be directed from the Holy Spirit in the Most High if you're high. We just want to put that out there, brothers and sisters. We're talking about what? The helmet of salvation. You must protect your mind, brothers and sisters. You must be clear-headed, brothers and sisters. You must show prudence, brothers and sisters. See? Plus, a woman don't want a man that all he do is get high and get drunk all over the place. And then we got men talking about, well, ain't no good woman out there and they won't submit to me. It's like, brother, you got to be a man worth submitting to first. <laughs> Sister not going to submit to a brother who just, all he do is just get high and, and drunk and play. Uh, I need to build a castle. Let me get on top of the castle. Let me plant the flag on the castle. What's that game? Um, one of those games. Fortnite. <laughs> you got grown, grown behind men out there. Told me I need to climb on the castle. She looking at you like what? I mean, because see, this is the thing, brothers. This is the thing. Sisters know that they deserve dominion. What you have to realize is that Eve had dominion also. Adam and Eve had dominion. Adam had dominion over the male animals. Eve had dominion over the female animals. <laughs> see, so a woman understand. That she want to be over something. She want to rule something. She wants some power. <laughs> Look at the divorces, brothers and sisters. Most pe The most person that's initiating the divorce is the woman. Did you ever notice that? Most men, when they're in a relationship, never walk away. It's the woman that walk away, almost always. <laughs> Once she realizes, okay, I can't get nowhere with this. And that's why the women have a better drive than us, brothers and sisters. That's why, because they know, they feel that they're supposed to be ruling. So they want a man that's going to take something down righteously, give her a plan and a goal, take a brick out of this empire and build our empire, build our legacy. She don't want somebody who just get high and drunk all day long and play, uh, you know, play video games. It's time to wake up. We're in the end, brothers and sisters. And see, with a woman, she won't say anything. She'll sit there and let this go on for a year, and then she'll walk away. She's probably already, you know, putting together an escape plan. <laughs> already. Woman don't always say something. She just sit and watch to see, you know. You know, what is he, I mean, what is this? What is this here? I saw a brother the other day, you know, on the phone with the, uh, the game makers, arguing on the phone. I, I pre-ordered the game. The game should have been here already. You know, almost in tears. <laughs> almost in tears. His wife was looking at him like, "You really? A video game? You crying over a video game? See? Brothers and sisters, we need to be sober. Sober. Too many brothers out there just getting high playing video games. She like, that's what you, you know, you want a castle in a make-believe world? <laughs> that's, you know, that's your goal? 
is to have dominion on the video game? No. What about in real life? See? And we already read, we've read the scriptures all throughout the Apocrypha that tell you the fear of the Most High God come before attaining authority. So you must be focused on his laws, statutes, and commandments, brothers and sisters. See? Your mind must be protected. Your mind must be protected. We're going to go to Titus 2 and 2. Let's go to the New Testament, Joshua. Titus 2, verse 2. That the aged man, that the aged men be sober. That what? That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Notice the first thing that it said, <laughs> that it said for the aged men. To be sober. Why? Because older men are to be the models of dignity, respectability, and wisdom, brothers and sisters. See, the aged men. Because why? Young men will see that and think it's okay. See? Getting high and drunk in front of children, young men, teenagers. The apostles of Christ are called to a life of sobriety. Read that verse again, brother. Titus 2, verse 2. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise. The aged women. Likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not gossipers. Not given too much wine. Not what? Not given too much wine. See, so the sisters, this is not just men. This is a reminder that women... Should be sober, especially our older sisters. Because there's like a, there's an age range where young women just get drunk all the time. All the time. It's like that college age range where they can't have fun unless they're drunk. See? And you got prowlers out there, men out there who just love it. They just love it. Because they're looking to ravage you. See? Make sure your equilibrium's off. To where things you're okay with things that you wouldn't naturally be okay with. See? You got predators out there. Read verse 3 again, brother, please. Verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. Teachers of good things? What should they teach? That they may teach the young women to be sober. To do what? To be sober. <laughs> See? See, so the elders, the matriarchs, patriarchs are supposed to be what? <laughs> they must be living lives of observable respectability and dignity, brothers and sisters. Read verse 4 again, brother. Verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. See? So uh, just examine this, brothers and sisters. This is a reminder for older women that they are responsible to model the acceptable and respectable life for younger women. Not teaching them to be scorned. Not teaching them to question and buck up against their husbands. <laughs> See? Not teaching them to get drunk. See? The, the key thing that, I want to sh that we want you to see here, brothers and sisters, is that it's telling us to be sober. I need you to read verse 12, brother. Titus 2, verse 12. Teaching us that 
denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. We should do what? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See? So you must live soberly in order to live righteously and godly. That's why it comes first there, brothers and sisters. <laughs> because you can't be righteously and godly and not sober. <laughs> See? Sobriety, brothers and sisters. And that's not just talking about alcohol. That's talking about mushrooms, with uh, acid, and all these other drugs. Marijuana, all these things, brothers and sisters. You're not sober-minded. Your mind is... I've seen brothers just, you know... Staring up at the ceiling, smiling. It's like, brother, what? I mean, what's on your mind right now? Drooling, just staring at the ceiling, just smiling and giggling. It's like, what about this? <laughs> Is a man of dominion. What? What about this? See, that's why we we started off with your vessel controlling your vessel. You must gain full control over your vessel. You must deal with self mastery. And if you're having a problem being sober, you have to start working on that immediately, brothers and sisters, immediately. Because as, you know, as we get further in the times, you're going to need to be led by the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, for safety. You have to be led. The only way that can happen is if you're sober. We're going to go to Wisdom of Solomon 1 and 3. Because sobriety is not the only thing the helmet of salvation is speaking of, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. It's protecting your mind. Wisdom of Solomon 1, verse 3. For forward thoughts separate from God. Read that again. For forward thoughts separate from God. See? Wicked thoughts separate us from God. And his power, when it is tried... Provoketh the unwise. Reproveth. Reproveth the unwise. So examine this, brothers and sisters. We must have full control over our thoughts. <laughs> That's why he's saying don't look after a woman to lust after her. Because those type of thoughts separate you from the Most High God. That's why you need the, sal the, the helmet of salvation, brothers and sisters. See? That's why you need the helmet. To protect your mind. Not just with sobriety. But to protect it from evil thoughts. Why? Read verse 5. Verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of this discipline will flee deceit. What? what? Read that again. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit. We must keep a pure mind, brothers and sisters. <laughs> the Most High hates evil thoughts. Because evil thoughts reside within evil minds to devise evil plans, brothers and sisters. Read verse 5 again, brother. Verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when unrighteousness cometh in. See, that's why you have to be sober-minded, brothers and sisters, because you're not thinking clearly. And anybody who think, says that they're thinking, they think more clear when they're high or drunk has a demon. <laughs> because that's what people who are addicted, <laughs> that person is addicted. Because that's what people who are addicted say. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm better on the drugs. <laughs> That's a demon. The demon telling you, listen, you're good. That's just how you are. <laughs> and then some people will say, well, listen, don't judge me. Well, hey, if you're doing the right thing, why are you fearing judgment? Or, yeah, I'm going to get right. I've just got to get this out of my future. Uh, let's get this out of my system. You have a demon. How do I know you have a demon? Because you want to be right now. <laughs> 
Who, who's, who's walking around like, yeah, I don't want to be right now. I want to be right in the future. No, you have a demon <laughs> that's telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're good for now. Just deal with it in the future. You have a demon. Read that again, brother. Wisdom of Solomon 1, verse 3. For forward thoughts separate from God, and his power, when it is tried, reprove the unwise. Read verse 5, brother. Verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of Actually, excuse me. I'm sorry, brother. Read verse 4. Verse 4. For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that subject unto sin. Examine that. Wisdom, which is the Holy Spirit, <laughs> will not dwell in a body that's subject to sin. Somebody who's getting high. Somebody who's watching pornography. Somebody who's a drunkard. See? See, brothers and sisters? <laughs> verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee from deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when unrighteousness cometh in. See? Why? Because sinful thoughts are signs of sinful hearts, brothers and sisters. We're talking about what? The helmet of salvation. How to protect your mind. Number one, by being sober. Number two, controlling your thoughts. You can't be somebody who thinks about murder or thinks about dealing drugs or thinks about women being naked or men being naked and then think you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't work like that. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus and the Apographer 39 and 1. Examine, brothers and sisters, this lesson, the Most High has given us all the tools to know how demons gain entry. People usually just read Ephesians and say, okay, I need this, I need that, I need this. They usually don't go into detail about what it's actually talking about, brothers and sisters. This is going to be one of our most important lessons to date, brothers and sisters, because it tells you how to wield, excuse me, how to wield off demonic spirits, brothers and sisters, and keep your vessels safe. Ecclesiasticus 39, verse 1. But he that, that giveth his mind to low to the law of the Most High. Read that again. But he that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High and is occupied in the meditation thereof will seek out the wisdom of the ancient and be occupied in prophecies. Wisdom of the ancient is talking about what, brothers and sisters? <laughs> the forefathers. Isaiah, Ezekiel, <laughs> David, Solomon, Saul. See? He that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High, not to drunkenness, not to highness, not to fornication, not to pornography. See? See, brothers and sisters? The Most High is telling you how to shield yourself, how to protect yourself from demonic possession, brothers and sisters. Your mind is the greatest gift God has given you, and it ought to be devoted entirely to Him, brothers and sisters. See? And you can't do that when you high or you drunk. Because your mind is loose. It's, it's all over the place. It's just loose. It's just in the clouds. You can't focus on one thing when you're high and drunk. Now, I don't do those things, but I've heard people say, I get high to, you know, take my mind somewhere else. That's against the Bible. The Bible is telling you to meditate on the law. How can you meditate on the law when you've lost your mind? It tell you that wine take away the mind of a man. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiasticus 39, verse 1. 
But he that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High, and is occupied in the meditation thereof, will seek out the wisdom of the ancient, and be occupied in prophecies. See? So we must learn how to guard, strengthen, and renew our minds, because the battle for sin always starts in the mind, brothers and sisters. See? This is the principle for winning the battle of our minds, to keep focus on him and his law, brothers and sisters. First, this is what should be first in our mind at all times, nothing else. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 6 and 37. We're going to wrap it up here soon. We've got about three or four more scriptures. Ecclesiasticus 6, verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. See, and I deal with this with a lot of young men because I, they'll transgress something. That when I'm dealing with in meekness to admonish them, it's like usually they say, oh, my bad. I wasn't even thinking about that. It's like that's the problem, brother. I don't think you did it on purpose, but you wasn't thinking. Now, whether that's because you're high or you're drunk, I don't know. But you must be focused. Ponder the path of your feet. See? You must always be focused. Because if you can't focus, you can't take down this empire, brothers and sisters. You must be focused. You must have a strong mind. Read that again, brother. Verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord, and meditate continually in his commandments. He shall establish thine heart and give thee wisdom at thy own desire. See, so examine that, brothers and sisters. We can put ourselves in turmoil just by the way that we think. <laughs> Let the mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord. That's the law. Meditate on his commandments. Not this other meditation that Buddhists and all these other people are doing. <laughs> Opening up your mind for a demon to come in. This Bible tells you, or this passage advises us to practice thinking about the most high, brothers and sisters. So what should our minds be actively doing? Read it again, brother. Verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. See, how do we prepare and protect our minds? This is the answer. He shall establish thine heart and give thee wisdom at thine own desire. See, so we should begin by guarding the door to our mind, brothers and sisters. Read verse 36, brother. Verse 36. And if thou seest a man of understanding, get thee betimes time, on a hymn, and let thy foot wear the steps of his door. See, so examine his brothers and sisters. Cleave to a man of understanding. <laughs> See? At one time... Oh, this is what attracted a woman to a man. It wasn't based on his biceps, his triceps, and what they call uh, swag. Yeah, that's what the young people call it. He's 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 got swag. That's what I mean. It was based on how intellectual, you know, how intellectual, how smart a brother was. That was attractive to a sister. Sisters must raise the bar. It says, if you see a man of understanding, cleave to him. Be times. Be at his door. Learn everything he have. Those are the people you want to be around, brothers and sisters. How do you know a man of understanding? Because his mind is upon the ordinance of the Lord, brothers and sisters. See, this is for our brothers. You want to be viewed as a man of understanding? <laughs> you must learn how to control your mind. Be sober-minded. See, brothers and sisters? 
See? If you do this, then a woman, a, a wife will allow you to lead and will submit to you because she understands you're a man of understanding. Only way to become a man of understanding is to do what verse 37 says. Read that, brother, one more time. Verse 37, let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. He shall establish thine heart and give thee wisdom at thine own desires. See? So examine that, brothers and sisters. We have to learn to control our mind. All of us, brothers and sisters, we must be focused in his commandments first. We must always think about the Most High first. Never let your mind just wander. I, I never will get high or drink because I, I need control of my mind. <laughs> Especially when you grow up in the ghettos, in the hood, brothers and sisters, in the slums. You walk around drunk and high if you want to. You may be down on the ground with your pockets flipped inside out. You must be aware of your surroundings. You must be aware of everything. Because why? Your enemy is like a roaring lion looking to, you know, whom he may devour, brothers and sisters. So we must control our thoughts and keep our mind on the most high. We've got two more scriptures and we're going to close out. We're going to the last piece of our armor, brothers and sisters. We're going to Ephesians 6. In 17, please follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to close out. Ephesians 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Examine that. The sword, brothers and sisters. The sword. See? You must have the sword, which is the word of God. The Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ephesians, or excuse me, Hebrews 4 and 12. We're going to leave it there. The last thing you need, brothers and sisters, is what? The sword. Hebrews 4 and 12, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, so this is a graphic explanation of how God's words can distinguish between the godly and ungodly, brothers and sisters. We need this. We need this, brothers and sisters. This incredible cutting power of the scripture is therefore a tool to separate good from evil. Read that again, brother. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. See, this razor-sharp word, brothers and sisters, <laughs> works even on a thought level. It cuts with precision. As it reaches our innermost being, brothers and sisters. See? So this is the last thing that we need. This razor-sharp truth of the word of God will separate what is truly spiritual to what, from what's faithless, brothers and sisters. You need this. We've gone through having your loins protected from sexual immorality. From protecting your heart with the breastplate of righteousness, brothers and sisters. For having your feet shod with the gospel of peace, understanding what to do with your feet, where to go, when to run, what to bring when you're there. 
we've dealt with what? <clears throat> we've dealt with the shield of faith, brothers and sisters, right? Faith protects us, brothers and sisters. The faith that what we're reading <laughs> will keep us, brothers and sisters. We've dealt with what? The helmet of salvation, protecting our mind and our thoughts, brothers and sisters. Being sober-minded. And we ended with what? We ended with the sword, which is the word of God, brothers and sisters, that cuts with precision, divides the evil from the godly. Today's lesson was spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala, sin no more. Kwam Yasharala, sin no more.